The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, I love it in Flint. You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, mistress of the dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is an award-winning fantasy sci-fi writer, A.M. Justice. Uh, Her novel, A Wizard's Forge, uh, the first of the, I think I'm saying this right, the Wern Saga, um, yes. was uh, published in 2016, but she didn't do a lot of interviews, uh, or maybe any interviews back then. Um, but A.M. Justice is the author, and she joins me by phone. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Okay, um, 
This is a question I usually ask much farther into the interview, but because in the in the press release that I received, um, mm-hmm. it it says you didn't do interviews when uh, a Wizard's Forge first came out in 2016, mm-hmm. and that always makes me wonder because writing is kind of a solitary endeavor and yet there's this part of getting out and promoting a book and i just wonder if you enjoy that part of it or if you're maybe a little more introspective um you know i is it possible to be both um (laughs) i actually (laughs) i it it is a very solitary endeavor and um it's also something that when you're, I'm an indie author, so that means that I am, do not have a, a, a major publisher behind me to set up these types of um, tours. Oh, and gotcha. I wanted to do it now because I released the um, sequel to Wizard's Forge about a year ago. And I just, you know, these when you're an indie author, sometimes these things take a while to, to figure out the, the, the hows and the whys to do it. So I finally like got it in my head that this is something that I thought would be helpful for my career. And, um, and also just helpful to get the word out about the books because I, I, I love them and I hope that, um, to find readers who love them as much as I do. Now the, the first book, a wizard's, Forge came out yes. in 2016, and mm-hmm. you said you've you've already written and published the sequel, right? Um, and and this is all part of the Wern saga. Is are yes. you expecting it to be a trilogy, or is it a true series that will continue on beyond a third book? Um, I would say that the it it potentially may be made. <clears throat> Sorry, it potentially may turn into a longer series. Right now, if readers want a complete story, the 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 two books themselves represent a duology. So you can get the full story of Vic. That's the main character, um, and short for Victoria. So you can get Vic's full story um, for of what she goes through in terms of. Um, discovering a uh discovering her own power and discovering um what her destiny is and how that plays out you can get that entire story in those first two books um i am working on a third book but it's set roughly 20 years later and it's more about the next generation um in this in the saga and then we'll see further on down the road whether whether um more books are in the works. I do have also have a number of short stories that um, are part of the series and help um, set the stage for events that happen um, during Vic's lifetime. Amanda, did you know when you wrote A Wizard's Forge that it was going to take two books to tell Vic's story? No. Um, See, I always uh, wonder I, if writers get to the end of the book and go, but wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, I, it, originally, the original story, um, and let me rephrase, I think, I, I think the answer is yes, I did know it. It actually took me a really, really, really long time to write A Wizard's Sacrifice, which is the second book, 
because it's much more complicated. The, a Wizard's Forge is relatively straightforward. It's it's kind of a a typical um, coming of age um, quest novel where the um, Vic is taken from her small um, her small community. She's brought into the larger world, and this, in her case, against her will because she's sold into slavery. She escapes from slavery, and then she finds a home um, with with a new nation, and and then starts to remake herself. And along the way, discovers um, these magical powers that she and and acquires these magical powers. And it's sort of a um, in comic book parlance, it's, it's an origin story, and um, it's also a coming of age story, and it's also kind of a play on your typical quest novel. Well, but and the main character <laughs> Victoria, and and you refer to her as Vic because she's known mm-hmm. as a ruthless soldier called Vic the Blade. Victoria yes. the Blade just doesn't sound quite right. No, it doesn't. And, and <laughs> <laughs> but. She to 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 be fair to her, she actually Vic has been her nickname her you know basically her whole life. It's her it's how she prefers to be addressed. <laughs> but but um, and Victoria is I think too formal in her in her mind. But um, she is also um, oh oh what what I was going to say about it, Wizard Sacrifice was more difficult to write because it has a broader scope. It gets much more into the politics of the world. It's um, the history of the world. It has a really epic scale um, that includes some time travel for some of the characters and and a conflict between not only the human nations on this world, but also uh, between the humankind and the indigenous aliens of of the world. So, and the 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 book is set on another planet and. They have to contend with the the aliens who you know occupied that planet, who were already there when the human population arrived. So now you say, in addition to being an origin story, it's also mm-hmm. a coming of age story. Is there mm-hmm. a, a target audience that's likely to um, be attracted to tales of Vic? Uh, you know that's that's a good question. I I'd say you know it it starts out with because she's only fifteen when the novel starts. Uh, some people may automatically want to put it into the YA category, and I think you know there's a lot of great YA books. I will say for people, maybe perhaps parents who are thinking that this might be good for their youngster um it, it it explores a lot of adult themes Vic undergoes some traumatic events that are adult in nature and there is a, a probably an r-rated level of sex and violence in the book so i would target i would say that it's really more appropriate for adults um and Honestly, some of the best reactions that I've gotten are are women from my own middle aged age group. <laughs> so, um, I think that they appreciate um, the kind of person that Vic is because she's sort of a no nonsense um, person. She's she's really tough as nails on the outside, but she's very fragile on the inside because of. Um, 
some of the traumatic experiences that she experienced as a young teenager. Um, the, she also she also ages in a Wizard's Forge, so uh, by about five years. So she starts out at fifteen and finishes up around twenty. Um, so there's so there's that as well. Amanda, you said this takes place on a different planet, a different mm-hmm. world. When mm-hmm. you're, what do you draw on to create a, a different planet, a different world? Um, I I have to admit that the world, the idea for the world was inspired by Anne McCaffrey's Pern series. So that was a, a series. Anne McCaffrey wrote those novels, most of those novels, in the 1970s, and um, her son actually continued the series after her death. Very, very popular. Um, but the the whole premise of that series was that it was a lost space colony where people, the people living on the planet, had basically forgotten their their origins from being from earth and so at the time that the first set of stories were set the original novels were set um people didn't remember that they had come from anywhere else and that is the case in on Vic's planet and i think that's sort of an interesting it sets up an interesting um dichotomy vic actually comes from a culture that has preserved the records of their spacefaring origins their spacefaring ancestors and it's and sort of made um, kind of a, a religion out of out of preserving those records, even though they don't know what anything means anymore. So they 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 you know, Vic is actually originally has a job of of actually memorizing all of the records that are available to her people, and it, they talk about you know faster than light space travel and you know, micromolecular nanotechnology, and, and she, like, knows all the words of these texts, but she doesn't actually know what any of that means because they don't have access to, to that technology anymore. Meanwhile, the rest of the world has developed a whole... Uh, oh, and but Vic herself actually believes in the literal meaning of the text. So she believes that her people literally came from a planet called Earth on a spaceship and ended up on this planet. Everyone else in the world has interpreted the original writings of their spacefaring ancestors as metaphor and 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 developed a whole religion where they think that the ship that brought them there is a god that seeded humanity um, by mating with these sentient trees that are on the planet, and so they worship the trees, and um, it's and it makes for a, sort of an interesting byplay between the um, the non-believer Vic and the believers, and how they interpret the different texts of their of their origins. So that was sort of where I went with the whole idea of what would it be like to have a lost space colony, a group of people who had, had gotten stranded on a, on a different planet and then lived there for thousands of years and, and forgotten how and lost all of their, their advanced technology and, then, and forgotten really what their origins, um, how they got to the planet. So 
I had a lot of fun with that. More with author A.M. Justice, straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place 
where you never get harmed. A magical place with magical charms. Indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with author A.M. Justice straight ahead. On Vic's planet, um, the planet of our town, um, Mm -hmm. who are the aliens? Uh, The aliens are a race of giant, intelligent insects. And I kind of, if you've uh, seen, uh, if if you've read um, Starship Troopers or seen the movie, I kind of imagine them sort of like that, sort of maybe vaguely looking like that. Um, and in, certainly in terms of their their actions in battle, very much like that. It's sort of an overwhelming force of, of, of very frightening insects <laughs> that can overwhelm the human, humans pretty easily. But, they, but individually... Um, they're extremely intelligent. They themselves actually do have very high tech um, uh, lifestyle, and um, th- which they've kept from the humans. So, in Vic's time, the uh, human humankind and the they're called the Kragnashians, the the alien species. That's what the humans call them. The humans and the Kragnashians live more or less in peace and trade with one another. Um, but the Kragnashians are this, you know, very mysterious and insular society that don't, they don't, certainly don't share any of their advanced um, technology with the, the, their human neighbors. In um, previous times that are explored in the book, the, the Kragnashians and the humans were, were at flat-out war with each other. So um, that's, that's what the story is with them. Now on this uh, on this planet, what is there an indigenous life form, or are all the inhabitants visitors from other? Oh, places? Um, the Kragnashians are are um, indigenous to the planet. The there are also a number of other the the as I said the there are actually three um, intelligent sentient races on the planet and uh, including the trees that I mentioned earlier so there are trees that have awareness and ability to um, that have awareness and intellect I would say and um, have sort of a rough ability to communicate with humans and also change the change the environment so those were Everything in, in the book is sort of inspired by things that I read when I was a kid. And if you think about The Wizard of Oz and how Dorothy, you know, and she's going through the forest and she meets the, the, the trees that in the movie they throw apples at them. And, um, you know, the, so these malevolent black oaks that she meets in the book and who can, who can talk and move, those, those trees in The Wizard of Oz sort of inspired the idea of the trees in my book. And um, coincidentally, in the movie um, Avatar, Awa, the whole the whole idea of a forest that you know the entire life entire ecosystem that is connected with each other through a neural net that also um, is 
is kind of uh, that concept is in my book. Um, I will say I created that concept before I saw that movie. So, but it is, but the concept <laughs> is there. The idea of of uh, you know a, a, an ecosystem that can that communicates with each other, and so in in my case, it's mainly the plant life, and so the and the plants are actually able to move. So also sort of like the the triffids. Um, and there's a there's a, a a a species of plant life in Doctor Who that moves around and kills people. So, um. <laughs> well, Amanda, you you've created this this other world and populated it with you know um, life forms, foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. you have all these these different types of life and sentience. How restless are you that you had to explore time travel too? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's that is part of the fun of being a writer. I mean, it's like being able to take things to weird places and go. Um, you know, and it just sort of, that's also how the story just developed. It And, and I think that's why it was really, in the, in the end, it was really hard to write um, A Wizard's Sacrifice because it was, I had, I have so many moving pieces in that novel that it, it took me a long time to figure out how they all fit together and um, how it could all work. Um, and, but yeah, it was, it's, it's a big part of, of Vic's, Vic's destiny. I don't want to spoil too much. So I'll just say that the, 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 the time travel is an important part of her journey. So, Well, it's just time travel is tricky enough, but then, you know, you, you launch it from a place that's been sort of invented by you. Mm-hmm. Did you have to, to set, rules and guidelines about how things how things work and what about the time travel paradox yeah you know um i think that it it i i basically i basically posit um an alternative reality theory in the book which gets explored a little bit where little things that happen can create alternative time streams so um and and that is part of how i dealt with those paradoxical issues so it's just that sometimes um things you know it's just like it that that's basically it so if if one thing changes then it can change the whole time stream and there are there are difficulties with that um approach that I have not touched on in my novel, but I, but I often think about when I watch other things that ha- that involve time travel and involve al- alternate realities, like the Marvel, the Marvel series, what if, which, which I love, which I thought was great. But I always wonder, you know, in all of these alternate universes, how is it that all of these individuals, have their own avatars in their universes. Like, hasn't there, you know, no, there's never a situation where somebody like an ancestor died in the alternate universe. And so that 
leading to the point where that particular individual was never born <laughs> um, and is absent from, from that universe. So I guess I, I, I'd like to, um, I'd like for some sort of science fiction that, that does do time travel or does alternate universe explorations to kind of touch on that idea is the fact that you could show up in an, in an alternate universe and have, you know, the, your, your counterpart just be flat out missing from there. Um, but most of the time, because as artists, we want to explore those ideas of the, of the other and the other and be a different fate for our, for our hero, then it's just, it's always easier to, to put that, um, you know, the evil Kirk in place in the mirror universe. So, and not have a mirror universe where evil Kirk was never born. So. What is it about time travel? I'm fascinated by time travel and, and stories mm-hmm. about time travel. And I always suppose that it's because I, I have this, um, this ongoing sort of questioning relationship about the road not taken. Yeah. Is it yeah. is it that, Amanda, or is there something else that's compelling about time travel? Oh, I think I think you're right. I think it's partly the road not taken, it's partly the idea of of you know, the this desire to go back and quote unquote fix things, which of course, you know, never ever works out. I don't know if you there's a there's a wonderful Spanish television series um, called The Ministry of Time, and it's it's a it's a great it's it's really a great combination of a workplace dramedy along with like a time travel show because the whole premise of the show is that there's a uh, that there are these tunnels. That are sort of like there are like this this weird set of underground chamber that has all these portals that people go through and thieves access these portals and go and steal like they'll go back in time and maybe steal um, a Rembrandt or something from the time when it was painted and then bring it to you know our our time and sell it. And um, and make lots of money. So that's the and the <laughs> and the Ministry of Time has all these time officers who go around and stop the thieves from from selling things. And there are also plots where you know they're the they're bad guys trying to help Hitler, you know, win the war and all this all this stuff. So um, and it's it, you know I love I love that show because it does explore these sorts of para- the, the paradoxes of time travel and trying to fix things and this desire to keep keep the timeline you know keep the timeline the way it is rather than let it go go off um, go off every which way but but I do think this you know there is an idea that if only if you know it's like every time you know you make a mistake at work or um, and on an important test at school, and you're like, "Oh, I wish I," you know, you just everybody just wants to do over, <laughs> and and you in in real life you don't get you don't get the do over. But if there was time travel, wouldn't it be great to like go back and and you know have a chance to fix your mistakes? That's something that we all we'd all love to be able to do. 
but then there's there's always a a risk of affecting right. something else <laughs> there's yes collateral damage when you try to right. go back and fix things right the butter the butterfly effect there's a um uh i recently was uh, i'm i'm participating in a in a virtual um fantasy conference and we we recently published an anthology of the winning short stories and the short of that are for a short story competition we have each year and the sh- the winning short story from this year was a time travel story that that explored exactly that with a with a person who um an apocalyptic event occurred and and this and the the narrator of the story had just built a time machine so we, it, for the express purpose of going back and and fixing whatever it is that caused an apo- the apocalyptic event and so of course he goes and he 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 fixes the the cause of the first apocalyptic event and then his and everything he does just makes it worse and so um it's a, it's a really great um exploration of the whole idea of how as much as you try you can't you can't um really ever fix things because there are always unintended consequences for every action that we take now a wizard's forge which is the first book in the worn saga Mm -hmm. came out in 2016 and there's a second book that's Finished? That, that, is it, it has it been released yet? Yes, the Wizard Sacrifice came out a, about a year ago. So this is actually this month is actually the book, the the one year book birthday of that of that book, the sequel. Why did you decide to publish under the name A M Justice and not Amanda Justice? Uh, to be honest, there was um, although I I make no. Um, bones or no attempt to hide uh, my gender there was an aspect of the idea of of not as a science fiction fantasy author i wanted to you know that women might not be taken as seriously yes 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 exactly and so that's part of it also am justice is pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> as a uh, <laughs> as a pen name and and people sometimes people think it's not my real name it actually is but um so there's that aspect of it too it's pretty it's pretty neat memorable well amanda this is fascinating and i had not i i have to admit until i got a press release about you doing this uh, book tour and and reaching out to do interviews about these two books and and uh, the series or the saga rather, um, I I hadn't heard about it, but it sounds absolutely fascinating, and I can't wait to uh, get caught up so I'm ready when when you finally figure out the 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 next. Uh, part of the story um, but thanks for spending time with me and and talking about uh, about these books and your writing I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future do you have a website I do it is amjusticeauthor.com and on there uh, 
reader or listeners can find more information about the books. They can find excerpts of the books. There's also a map, an interactive map, where you can click on things and learn about the world. And um, I hope that you'll drop by and, and visit the website and check out my work. Well, Amanda, it's it's been really fun talking to you. And uh, I, I have to say, you shouldn't have waited so long to get out and talk to people. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> I'll get, get right on it. Um, how How is it going, getting your book out to different places, or is so much of it online that that, that helps uh, the process for indie publishers? I think, um, you know, that's a good question. I, as an indie publisher, it, it certainly a lot of us rely very much on Amazon. A lot of authors that I know publish exclusively well, it's, with Amazon. It, it's kind of it's kind of a uh, a literary law that you have to uh, be available on Amazon, isn't it? Oh yeah, you, <laughs> you can't you can't not have your book on Amazon. The, the question for for indie authors is whether you go there's a the expression whether you go wide, which means having your ebooks available on all retailers, or whether you go Amazon exclusive. And a lot of us find that because of a lot of us earn more um, at, in Kindle Unlimited, which is Amazon's a. It's a way Amazon members who are members of Kindle Unlimited can read. They basically pay a monthly fee, and then they can read whatever book they want as long as it's on Kindle Unlimited for free. So it's kind of like those deals with movie theaters where you pay, say, twenty dollars a month, and you can see as many movies as you want. Um, a lot of indie authors make more um, from Kindle Unlimited than we do from selling the actual copies of our ebooks, and so a lot of us find it's more profitable to be exclusive to Amazon for our ebooks. But the paperbacks um, can be sold in any retailer, and that and that is is the case with me. That's what I've found um, <clears throat> for my books. So. You can get my. You can order my paperbacks from any any bookstore. You just need to know what the ISBN is. Most of them will not. Uh, the The books have been out too long, so they will not be available. If you just walk into your bookstore and expect to find it on the shelf, you won't. But the bookstores only stock new releases and backlist titles that are still selling well. So backlist titles from from really well known authors like. George R. R. Martin, for instance. But um, if you if you uh, were interested and you wanted a paperback, you could go to your local bookstore and give them the ISBN, and they could order it for you, or you could order it um, from Amazon or from the Barnes and Noble website, or or what have you. the um, The book is also available. Both books are also available as audiobooks through Audible, and um, the narrator is named Leah Casey, and she did a fan fantastic job she really really captures Vic's voice and um and who Vic is so if you're into audible um and audiobooks I encourage you to check those out are the books in the uh, in the Wern saga are they sequential should you read a wizard's forge first uh, that also is a good question. It is. They are sequential, and you will get the full picture of Vic's story 
if you read um, Wizard's Forge first. However, there, you know, there is some heavy, um, possibly triggering content in a Wizard's Forge. So if that is something that you are maybe not comfortable with, you could. A Wizard's Sacrifice was written so that it could be read without reading a Wizard's Forge. I think there's enough background in a wizard sacrifice that you can understand who Vic is and what her storyline is. But it is, um, I'd say that each book is a complete story in and of itself. So it's not, Wizard's Forge does not end with a cliffhanger where you, um, you know, it's like, oh, I don't understand what has happened here. I have to read the next book because it's not complete. Wizard's Forge does tell a complete story. So does a wizard sacrifice. The two books together tell a complete overarching narrative. So, well, Amanda, thanks so much, and keep up the good work. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It was great coming on and talking. All right, take care. You too. Amanda, also known as A.M. Justice, is the author of uh, the Wern Saga, which includes the the first novel, A Wizard's Forge followed by the sequel, A Wizard's Sacrifice. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. I have to lay low for a while So I'll be staying here inside it's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side we're all in for a bumpy ride I'll see you on the other side It's not the same without you here I hold on to this phone so tight for you a good night kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side and I'll meet you with arms open wide I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide I'll see you on the other side
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Armchair politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now.
I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Where are we going, Dr. Zarkov? Aaron and I discovered a room under the hall of atomic power, which stored scientific apparatus. With the help of slaves, we constructed my newest invention, didn't we, Baron? Yes, we did, friend Zarkov. I only hope this bull-headed monarch hasn't delayed us too long with his arguing. There isn't much time left to save the city. We are tipping over. How much further do we have to descend? We will be below the foundation in just a moment. What is this remarkable discovery, Wizard of the Earth? You shall see. You shall see. We are here. Hurry out, everyone. Hold fast to my hand, Dale. Oh, Flash, do you think Dr. Zarkov will be able to save us? I know he will do his best. There is my invention. What is that massive tubes and wires? This electrical machine is an atomic light solidifier. It'll strengthen the beam? Yes. Keep everybody back, Baron. I must have room to work. Stand back, everybody. Baron, do you think this machine will work? Be quiet. Professor Zarkov is throwing the switch. What is that weird bluish light? New rays made from the Adamsdale. Why, the city seems to be getting back on an even keel. By Pao, so it is! How is it working, friend Zarkov? Splendid so far. The light beams supporting the city are becoming stronger and stronger. Then the city is saved? The city is saved. By Pao, he has done it! All of you are free! Why, Dale, you're crying! I'm so happy we're saved! Zarkov, come here! He said he could do it, and he did. Yes, King Voltan, you summoned me? Zarkov, you shall be my head scientist. Voltan, this is more than I expect. I am grateful, deeply grateful, and appreciate the honor. Flash and Dale. Yes, impressive majesty. What is it, King Voltan? As proof of our future friendship, I shall give you a royal wedding tomorrow, and tonight we shall have a banquet to celebrate it. Are you having a good time, Dale? A wonderful time, Flash. It hardly seems possible that we shall be married tomorrow. I don't dare believe it until we are actually being married. Now, you mustn't feel that way, Dale. It's just nerve. Well, my friends, tomorrow will be the big day. I'm not so sure. Dale is just worrying about nothing, Baron. Hmm, it's almost tomorrow, Dale. What can happen now? During the excitement of the certain destruction of the city, the Princess Aura disappeared. Oh, is that all that worries you? I should think you would be glad she is not here. I am. Well, well, lovebirds, are you enjoying yourselves? Oh, yes, thank you, impressive majesty. Majesty? Majesty? Yes, what is it? The airship of Ming the Merciless is approaching the city. This means trouble. What did I tell you? There will be no wedding for us tomorrow. We will die fighting! No, Voltan. Let us take our chances on escaping. Give us a rocket ship. It's no use, Flash. They were damaged when the city tilted. His Universal Majesty, Emperor of Mongo, Ming the Merciless. And Princess Aura. Now there will be trouble. Steady, Dale, darling. There will be a way out of this. Greetings and welcome, Emperor Ming. So, Voltan, 
you have become friends with the prisoners, turn over this Earthman to my torturers, and to me delivered my promised bride, Dale Arden. I command it. No, father. You promised Flash Gordon to me as my share of the spoils. Hold, Ming. By the ancient laws of Mongo, by the sacred laws of the great Pau, who is all wise, I call for a tournament of death. A tournament? And this fellow Flash Gordon would enter? Yes. A tournament. Then all the planet would see him fail and die. So be it. Between four mountains nestled a massive bowl-shaped arena toward which most of Mongo pulls the never-ending streams to the tournament of death in which all of the contestants but one will meet death. And Flash Gordon is going to enter. He and Dale occupy seats of honor in Volton's box. Princess Aura enters the arena on a golden throne carried by six blue dragon men. Here comes Aura in all her glory. She is vile, treacherous, and cruel. Ha <laughs> That, my boy, is a beauty. Oh, I don't know about that. Here comes Drewbridge, king of the lion men. The dragon men are frightened by the lions. They've dropped the princess. Ah, stay where you are, my boy. Prince Baron is already picking her up. She seems to be smiling at him. I wonder what she's saying. Prince Baron, you've saved my life. Why did you do it after the way I treated you? Because, my princess, you are a woman, a beautiful woman, and I can no longer deny the fact that I love you. But whatever it is she's saying, I wish she would get interested in somebody else and leave you alone, Flash. The tournament is about to begin, Flash. There is your horse. Here, take this sword, my boy. It's the one with which I became King of the Hawkmen. Take it and justify my faith in you. And my faith, too. Thanks, darling. And thank you, Volton. I will do my best. In another box, Prince Baron reaches a decision. Zarkov, I am going to enter the tournament and win back my kingdom and Ming's daughter, Princess Aura, for my bride. Do not be a fool, Prince Baron. Why do you risk being killed? Wish me luck, my friend. I go to do battle. It is a battle royale with every horseman for himself. As the battle rages around him, Flash is beset by two yellow guardsmen. He vanquishes one, and as he is attacked by the other, he falls from his horse. Before the yellow man can drive home a death and thrust, a masked rider saves Flash, and the first great test of the tournament of death ends. A banquet is held for the survivors. Are you sure you're all right, Flash? Why, of course, Dale. If it hadn't been for that masked fighter, you would be dead now. Oh, why did you enter this horrible tournament? To win freedom, a kingdom, and what's more important, you. My dear. Look, the masked fighter is with Princess Aura. Ah, the masked champion. Are you a criminal fearing arrest, or a noble fearing recognition? Blue blood. Or red, my lady. It will flow in the arena just as freely for your amusement. Here, wear this scarf as a token, but do not stain it with your blood. Fair lady, a kiss from your gorgeous lips, and I would face the legions of Pau. Insolent one! 
<laughs> I would have you tortured. You cannot punish the living dead of the tournament. Goodbye, you beautiful devil. I go to fight for your hand. That masked champion, I swear I know his voice. The call has sounded. I must go back to the fight. Goodbye, Dale. Goodbye, and good luck, my darling. Oh, King Voltan, when will this awful tournament end? I know it seems horrible to you, little bird, but it is better that Flash should die honorably in the field of battle than at the hands of Ming's torturers. If he wins this final event, he will be a king, and you will be his queen. The trumpets blow and the last contestants line up. Two by two, they mount the sky rope stretched over a flaming pool to joust with swords, and one after another, they are eliminated by death. Finally, only Flash Gordon and the masked champion are left. Flash loses his balance and falls down toward the flaming pool, but his hand catches hold of the rope and he hangs on. The masked champion, thrown off balance, all but falls, but saves himself by grasping Flash Gordon's legs. His mask falls off, revealing Prince Baron. The crowd demands that both men shall live, and they are brought before Vulton and Ming the Merciless. None of your trickery, Ming. You will proclaim them both kings. So be it. But I shall choose their kingdoms to Prince Baron and my daughter, Aura, I give the kingdom of the forest to Flash Gordon and the Earth Girl. I give the kingdom of the caves. You fiend! You know neither kingdom has been conquered. True, Voltan. But these are brave men. Let them try. They can hold their weddings in their own kingdoms. If they live that long. This concludes our recreation of the first four episodes of the 1935 radio serial Flash Gordon. This series was recorded in the Tom Sumner Program studio featuring the voice of Sean Cantwell as Flash Gordon and Volton. Rhonda Groves Young played Dale Arden and Princess Aura. Randy Zimmerman played Zarkoff and Thun. Prince Baron was played by Dane Walling. Listen for more adaptations of old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Tom Sumner saying thanks for listening.
listening to Tom Sumner.